You can fire it up anytime. I just woke up from a nap, so I'll be waking up over the first 15 minutes, but I'm, I'll be ready to go. All right. Well, I will filibuster about 94 Penn State. Um, you know, maybe I can start the show with our brand new segment. Just got to check these levels. Oh, yeah. looks good. I want I want everything to be perfect for the, our new segment, Penn State Fan Check-In. Penn State has a um, great recruit coming in next year, a quarterback recruit. Uh, I think the best in the state. And yeah, I mean, he's, you know, four stars, probably the best in Pennsylvania, but he is um, headed to the state championship, the Pennsylvania state championship this weekend. And all the comments are uh, one of two varieties. Number one is, can we get him here next week for Michigan? And number two is, there's a future decommit. So things are going great. Harsh times of Penn State this year, Tom. Uh, so this unprecedented territory. Yes, in these unprecedented times of the worst team since 1887, you know, we need other bright spots. So we're not going to talk about them until we actually get to the Michigan game, which I do have a pick for. But we're going to move along. Uh, this is the week 13, a.k.a. Thanksgiving week, take the points episode. And uh, in the spirit of the holidays, we're going to get right into the lines and give the people what they really want what they're really thankful for, which is some great uh, college football betting. So uh, my co-hosts, Dan and Ryan, are going to kick it off live from Phoenix. Gentlemen. Thank you, Tom. Happy Thanksgiving in advance. Well, nothing feels like Thanksgiving, like Steve Adazio kicking off the slate on Thursday. So we'll get right into that. Colorado State at Air Force, Air Force lane, five and a half, total 55. Air Force is going to run the option. They're going to throw the ball five to eight times. That's all. They're going to plow forward. They aren't an elite option team. Colorado State, on the other side, honestly has been pretty good against the um, opposing team's running games. They actually held uh, mighty... Boise State's only 89 yards on about 30 carries, which is crazy. So, allegedly, they have a good running defense, but the option's weird and unique and short week and Air Force and Thanksgiving lay the five and a half. So, there's the first one. Bet Air Force and have some fun. Can I add something to that um, that you guys may want to comment on? As I was watching the uh, 94 Penn State Classic against Michigan, one of my favorite things about the um, the Big Ten Classics is that they don't change any of the graphics or like anything. So you see it exactly as it looked in 94 and they were flashing, you know, top 25 scores from around the country. And Notre Dame was ranked 19th, two teams that were ahead of them at 13th and 15th respect respectively that I thought you guys might find interesting. Number 13, Arizona and number 15, Colorado State. Colorado State. It was a different time. Joey Porter there. Um, anyway, that's amazing. And it shows you college football ebbs and flows, ups and downs. The rest of the top um, 25 was really pretty similar. Like teams I wouldn't have thought Washington was in there. Utah was ranked 21st. So there was some consistency. Interesting. Well, West Coast, baby. 
Florida was me. Florida was number one. The same week Penn State Michigan played in '94, Florida lost as a number one ranked team, and that's how Nebraska, who somehow in '94 was only ranked number two, that's how they uh, got up to number one and never relinquished it. Uh, bunch of assholes. That's actually not true. Penn State was number one. I feel for clarity's sake, I don't want the angry fans to write Thank in. Penn you, State did actually jump to number one for a while until the Indiana game when Indiana scored two garbage time touchdowns. Penn State only won, only won 35-29, and Nebraska jumped them, went to the Orange Bowl, and won the championship. But who remembers things like that from 25 years ago? Anyway, Dan, Us. next game. Very specifically, very angry at that sequence of events. Yeah, am I reading off paper right now? No, no I'm time. not. It's all no it's all etched in stone. <laughs> you remember, clearly know the 1994 better Penn State college ball season better than most other important things in your life. Most things now. I know the every detail <laughs> of the 94 Penn State season. I know John Chima's home phone number from the 90s, his parents' phone number still by heart. I don't remember like what I ate for lunch yesterday. <laughs> it's not a joke. These are priorities, Tom. That's why we're doing the, take the points year eight or whatever is going on right here. This is great. Okay, moving on to Saturday. Nice little game here. Iowa State at Texas. Texas minus a point and a half. Total 56 and a half. This is a hard game for me. If the Longhorns went out, they make the Big 12 title game. Uh, Iowa State's been uh, a nice squad this year. They just waxed Kansas State 45 nothing. Uh, two weeks ago. I have no idea. I'm going to need some help with this one. Ryan, you got anything? Uh, This is a really, really tough one because I've been on Iowa State all year. Uh, I did pick them to win the Big 12 uh, in the preseason. So I kind of have to stick with my guns. But going to Austin, even in a, you know, semi-down year, four and two, um, five and two, whatever they are. It's still a tough place to go, but I'm going to stick with what my original prediction and go Iowa state. So the, you guys are a little behind on the West coast. And so you both just got home from work. So I don't know if you saw, but they released the first um, playoff rankings and uh, both these teams made the top 20. In fact, I only saw it quickly. I could be wrong, but I think both these teams are ahead of USC. I think Texas is one spot ahead of USC. Interesting. Yeah, there's some interesting ones. Your uh, BYU Cougars got a uh, screwed a little down at 14. Not great. Cincy, on the other hand, Cincy is seven, so they got themselves a real shot. Um, I just want to mention another game that's at the noon slot that you're probably going to breeze by or not mention at all. But I recall last year or two years ago on this podcast, we laughed for like 20 minutes straight because. UMass was hosting Liberty and Liberty was actually like a six point favorite. And we thought that was the funniest and craziest thing ever. And then it was rock bottom for UMass. Well, this year, this week, UMass travels to Liberty. So obviously, you know, on the road, you're going to get like a three, four point swing. Um, Liberty is minus 37 and a half and, and on covers, 67% of the betters still like Liberty. So rock bottom. Congrats. That's the rock bottom. UConn was smart to just not play. 
They were. They just were even this year. They broke even. It's the best season they've had in a while. Yeah, they got the same record as UMass. They got the same record as Penn State, the same number of wins. Um, you have a better record than both those teams. Th- that's right. They've they've matched the UMass and Penn State win total combined. That's what we do. Sit at home. All right, Tom, we're moving on here. North Carolina's hosting Notre Dame Friday, 330 East Coast. Notre Dame minus five. Total 67 and a half. Z, I want your hot take on this game. This is one of uh, about six games where I've written notes down today. I had a little wow. free time. I, I took a hour lunch break and uh, I spent it writing notes, which I usually don't do. So uh, UNC can score some points. In five of their eight games this season, they have scored over 40 points. And in three of those, they are over 55 points. Their lowest score of the entire year is 26 points. Uh, They also cannot stop anyone. You may famously remember they played a 59 to 53 game against Wake Forest. So I, my question is how are they supposed to stop the Notre Dame balanced attack when you can't stop teams like Wake Forest and uh, you know, you're giving up whatever 24 points to the awful Duke team. Um, we say it all the time. Like if you can't beat the clown, how are you going to beat shooter McGavin? So the weather looks good. Notre Dame knows they're going to lose to Clemson in a few weeks. So they got to pad their resume right now so that they can still be a one loss playoff team and try to, uh, convince everyone they're better than Cincy and BYU, et cetera. So I think Notre Dame's going to really run it up here. I like a Notre Dame, um, minus four and a half and over hook. Thank you, Tom. Ryan? Uh, I only like the over. That's the only thing I like in this game. I like North Carolina. Um, I don't think Notre Dame should be ranked number two. I don't think North Carolina should be ranked number 25. I feel like each of these teams are close to about uh, 12 to 15 each. Uh, Therefore, I'll take the home team plus five. I think uh, Matt keeps it close, if not wins, and to hell with Notre Dame. So plus five, it is. I uh, vehemently disagree with you. I think UNC is underrated. I think they're better than your horns, Dan, and they should probably be around 15th, but I think Notre Dame is a legitimate top five team this year. I think they're, this team's different than, you know, the past six years or whatever that we've made fun of. This is not a jinx against I'm a team that I don't team, like. Tom, what is the, this is 11-24. You said Notre Dame's top five team. The Xenon Hex is real. Congratulations, North Carolina. Yes. It was all part of my plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. All right, moving on to um, Friday night. We got, we got a big game. We got the Civil War. Oregon and Oregon State. Nice to see a nice rivalry game on Friday night. It really sucks that we got robbed of the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. This was supposed to be Leech Lane uh, Thursday night. And, um, well, we'll have to wait an extra 48 hours for that. But, anyway, Friday night, Oregon to Oregon State. Oregon Lane, 13 and a half, total 64. I still have no idea on this Oregon team. I can't figure them out. I can't tell if they're really elite or not. Um, UCLA. Um, you know, they kept it close. I kind of liked them and Chip Kelly plus 18 last week. It's an easy cover again, Oregon against, um, Stanford week one, Stanford missed four field goals. So 
you know, this Oregon team's okay, but I don't think they're near as good as they've been the past few years with Herbert or Mariota or um, Jeremiah Mazzoli or whoever the hell you want to pick. So um, Dixon. that being said, I'm staying away. Uh, there could be some crazy, awful uh, hail or rain. Even when Oregon had like a high-powered offense that scored 50 a game, every time they played at Oregon State, it would be like, 24-13 somehow still with like Michael James and Mariota and stuff. So, you know what? Maybe under 64, but uh, that's probably it, Ryan. That, that's 100% the play, Dan. I'm glad you brought that up. It is That is 100% the play in this game is the under 64. Rivalry game, weather, late night, cold as hell. Also, Oregon State's got a pretty good run, de- uh, run game. Um, the running back had, what do you get? Like a buck 98. He had 198 198 yards last week. Um, so for that reason, I love the under in this game. Oregon's not scoring 50 a game like they used to. It's not that Oregon anymore. Uh, I like the under. This is going to be a, uh, 27, 17 type of game, 27, 23 type of thing. Yeah, I'm with you guys all the way. I was pretty high on Oregon to begin the season and even through a couple games, but last week was a really unimpressive performance. We talked about USC after week two and how um, you have to blow this team out to be, I forget who they're playing, but like you have to blow them out if you want to be elite. I think it was against Arizona and they won by three. And I feel like it was the same last week for Oregon. If you want to be elite, you have to beat that Chip Kelly team by several scores, you know, at least two touchdowns or more. And they just didn't get it done. So it's a pretty good team. They'll probably finish ninth in the country at the end of the year. And that's probably where they belong. So I don't know if I'm mad enough to bet on Oregon state with the points, but I do feel like that's the play. And then the under sounds great as well. And keep in mind that UCLA was, you know, uh, missing their QB with, uh, Corona and a bunch of other players too, and playing on the road. And it was, yeah, anyway. yeah it was, it was at Outson and the, this one's in Corvallis. So um, all signs point to Oregon state should be able to cover, but it's hard to tell because on paper, this Oregon team is really good and clearly they should win the pack 12, <laughs> but something's not adding up right now. Maybe it's just like time on the field or practice or whatever, but we'll see. All right, Tom, we're moving off of Friday. We're going to Saturday. We're going right into the game of the week at noon. Kent State at UB. That's right. we got a big matching game. The MAC has been playing on Tuesday, Wednesday, but for this weekend, they've moved it to the weekend. Or, yes, allow myself to introduce myself. Um, Ryan, go ahead and talk about this one. He's been paying a lot of attention to the MAC midweek. Ah, uh, thanks, Dan. Yeah, I'm pretty locked in on matching these days. So this this is no exaggeration. This might be the game of the week, like on Saturday. Like this is going to be a really good game. Please pay attention. Kent State, Buffalo, probably the two of the three best teams in the MAC, Crum, uh, along with Central Michigan. So this is going to be a really good game. Buffalo's got a, a great, great run game. Uh, Kent State can score. They can play. So. I like this game a lot. I don't know if I'm going to put much on it. I think I would still probably lean Buffalo. That half point's a little bit of a, a thing to worry about, but I think Buffalo handles it, and uh, and I think they pull this out by about maybe 10 to 14. 
Very interesting. Um, you know, Kent State's got that senior quarterback in Crum. Um, it's going to be a lot of points. Like, there's a the, like these MAC games are extreme overs, all of them. Um, like, it, it's it's pretty much out of control. I, I know there's a total of sixty eight. I, I don't care. Over sixty eight is is my play for this one. Tom, do you have any any in depth MAC insider information? No, I do have okay. a thought on a Friday game. If we want to reverse for a second, this is not Go a right ahead, Tom. It's not Go. a pick. It's just a comment. Please. Um, Nebraska is playing at Iowa on Friday, November 27th. Uh, Iowa won their last three games by an average of 30 points against Penn state, a top 10 team from last year, Minnesota, a top 10 team from last year and Michigan state perennial powerhouse. Nebraska lost <laughs> last week by 18 points to Illinois. And so the line is Iowa minus 13 and a half. Yeah. Things are a little weird in the big 10 this year. I was ranked somehow again, number 24, which makes no sense. Iowa's um, got a great run game and a pretty solid defense. They're the most one dimensional team in all of college football this year. So if a team can stop the run, then they'll they'll face off pretty well against Iowa. And if they can't stop the run, they're in big trouble. I will not be watching one minute of this Nebraska Iowa game on Friday. I can assure all listeners. Don't worry, I'll Friday. I'll check it out and I'll I'll get back to you. I've been watching. I've been getting deep deep into the Big Ten this year. I watched uh, uh, the whole overtime sequence of Michigan Rutgers. Of course, so close. Rutgers screwed it up twice. That's okay. I've gone right, so we'll... I've gone so Zianon that I got you guys told me like you texted me, hey, Michigan Rutgers is going to o- overtime, but you weren't the only ones. I got multiple text messages about Michigan Rutgers going to OT. Very important event. Very I, important. <laughs> between this and um new metal, like I've become, I've gotten a reputation for bad big 10 matchups and new metal. Somehow <laughs> the pandemic has turned everything upside down. I think the big 10 might be worse than new metal. It's close. <laughs> it's very close. So who, who would be the Ohio state of new metal? Like the one good. Speaking of new metal, Tom, um, <laughs> a quick aside. Um, this is Ryan, the new X files. We'll never get through an episode without talking about new metal. New Metal was the worst, and it was so bad that me and Ryan were talking about something earlier. Ryan, would you like to, to fill in? Okay, I'll, I'll finish it. New Metal was so bad that it ruined oh. professional wrestling for us because shout out to The Undertaker for retiring after 30 years. And Ryan said 30 years of, of whatever, saying something. And I said, actually only 27 because for three of those years, he was the American badass and came out on a motorcycle listening to Kid Rock. And he was not intimidating anybody during those three years. Oh, I forgot about that. Dude, new metal ruined wrestling. We all liked wrestling. We all watched Raw and stuff. And then The Undertaker came out to Kid Rock. Like the Hardy Boys had on, what was that kind of jeans? Jinko jeans. <laughs> Jinko jeans. You're right, because even even one of our favorite bands, Our Lady Peace, 
they went semi new metal creed sounding for that one album. And we're like, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden, uh, was it Chris Benoit had an Our Lady Peace song as his entrance? And we're like, aha, that was their plan. They wanted to get into that they, sweet, sweet wrestling money. Yeah, it was bad. So people talk about the Attitude Era in WWF. I call that the new metal era <laughs> where the dead man became Ba with the Ba. <laughs> and, you know, like you can't replace Paul Bearer with the bull god it just you can't have like uncle cracker come down and be your ring your ring manager yeah, instead like, of paul bearer like you can't like fucking have a big win and then like like three two one play my music and like fucking cowboy by kid rock kicks on only I'm god cowboy, knows why baby so Basically, we like to also blame new metal for ruining wrestling forever. It was never the same after new metal infested it in early in the early 21st century. I'm going to so I've I've got Spotify hooked up, and I'm going to try to play what says Undertaker theme song as a tribute when we're done with this part of the conversation. If it's a different thing, I apologize. But what I'm also going to do is I'm going to test this theory. I'm going to wait until you have a good pick and you're saying something very powerful. I'm going to subtly start playing Uncle Cracker, and I'm going to see if it undermines everything you're saying. It will. Iron Bowl. Maybe your Iron Bowl pick. Maybe your Florida pick. You don't know when it's coming. This is like Spill It's Tarmac report from last year. It's just going to sneak up on you. Terrifying. I can't have Uncle Cracker looking over my shoulder. One more note before we uh, give The Undertaker his due. So I talked about how my algorithm has just been um, destroyed by new metal and um, like weird college football stuff. But the other thing I get, which uh, oddly I don't really like is dad jokes. Um, I'm sure as a parent, I make dad jokes unintentionally, but I'm not one of those dudes who sees dad jokes on the internet. And it's like, Oh, that's so funny. But these things have combined for the ultimate bad thing. There was an account that kept popping up in my feed called American dad ass. Oh, I don't know Bad. what it is. I refuse to click, but it's it's the ultimate confluence. Sounds like trouble from here. I don't know. I'll investigate and get back to you if I live oh. to tell the story. All right. On that note, here's a, a tribute. Let's take a 20-second tribute to our man, The Undertaker. Hopefully this works. Uh, and no, it didn't. Anyway, Undertaker, congratulations on 30 years. <laughs> A true legend. You think Vince McMahon was going to allow you <laughs> to play that for free? You're in Connecticut, Tom. You're in his backyard. <laughs> He's got a blackout zone of 300 kilometers. Congratulations, Undertaker, for 27 years of excellent work in the WWE. If we can all agree on that. Three years we're not going to talk about. 30 Tom years total. State football. Okay. Um where are we at here? Kentucky and Florida. Well, Florida's laying 23 and a half, total 61. Kentucky lost 62 to three to Alabama. They had a bunch of COVID issues. Florida half asleep against Vandy, only won 38 to 17. Um, I think Florida kills Kentucky. Uh, I don't think they lay an egg two weeks in a row. I'll lay the 23 and a half with these. Z. 
yeah, let me, uh, uh, same pick. Um, but let me, um, throw some stats at you for a second. Um, everybody knows Florida's offense is great. Um, but I have some stats on Kentucky's offense cause they're a little deceptive. They average 20.8 points per game, which in modern college football is really not a ton, but that is wildly inflated because that includes games against Ole Miss, possibly the worst defense in college football history, uh, and also Tennessee and Vandy. When you remove those three games, they are averaging 10 points a game. Um, they had that weird 24-2 to two win over Mississippi State. You take that away, they're at seven points per game. And when you look at the ranked teams they played, Auburn, Georgia, and Bama, they are averaging 6.3 points per game. So I know that Florida is not quite in that same league, but I'm still thinking that Kentucky's output is going to be in the, uh, say 10 to 16 point range. And so the question is if Kentucky scores 16 points, you think Florida can put up more than 40? Cause I certainly yeah. do. Oh yeah. The hook is the hook is the play in this game for sure. Florida is going to drop at least 50, 55, maybe 60 on their own. So yeah, this is definitely the play is the hook. Yeah. I'd, I'd be very surprised if Kentucky puts up more than 20 and I think Florida can easily get to 48. So I think, I think you got it. All right, Tom, we are returning to your conference, Maryland at Indiana, Indiana lane, 11 and a half total 62 and a half. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it short. Um, on a normal week, well, there's no normal week when you're talking about these teams, but at full strength, I think this line would be a little high and it probably should be more like seven or eight. But Maryland hasn't played in, I think, three weeks. And Indiana's coming off a game where they just hung with Ohio State, basically. I mean, sort of. They were down 35-7 and then they came back and could have had a chance to tie. So if you can gain confidence from a loss, they probably have it. So I would just take the over and sit back and enjoy. Both these teams can put up a lot of points. So that's it. Correct. That number is way too low. 62 and a half. Absolutely not. This game, both these teams are getting into the forties potentially. So yeah, this is a way, way overplay for me. Yeah. I think you're looking at like a 40, like, yeah, 42 to, you know, 38 or something like that. Excellent pick, gentlemen. Well, here's a game which won't be way, way over. NC State at Syracuse. Syracuse officially is past rock bottom. They're under the ground, submerged under the earth, buried many crust layers under the earth. Um, NC State's bad, and they're laying 14 and a half on the road at Syracuse. I like NC State. Um Syracuse can't play football. They can't score points. When Louisville's ferocious defense shuts you out on a Friday night in that, you know, terrible freezing temp of 67 degrees and no wind at kickoff really, really doesn't bode well for your program. So Syracuse is the worst we've ever seen. NC State uh, isn't good, but until um, Syracuse shows any life, I'm going to bet against them the rest of the year. Yeah, fade the orange. Yeah, I was thinking now that the Undertaker's retired, perhaps he can come and help uh, raise them from the dead next year. Um, they could use the help. It just occurred to me, how many programs this year are the worst of our life? 
like Syracuse is probably the worst Syracuse team of our life. Penn state's definitely the worst Penn state team of our life. UMass is the worst UMass team ever. This Michigan team might be the worst Michigan team ever. Uh, there's so many, I mean, it obviously, you know, it's justified because of the situation, but it is, it is kind of weird. There are no excuses. First of all, all these teams are fucking fraudulent Two, nice segue, Tom Penn state at Michigan, Michigan lay in two and a half total 58 and a half. You also have to pick at the same time as this game, Ohio state traveling to Illinois, Ohio state laying 28 total of 70 and a half thoughts on those two winners. Well, yeah, Illinois is horrible. I mean, Ryan can expound on that one, but uh, Ohio State's the pick in that. But uh, one of the best picks of the week, Michigan minus two. Um, Michigan, their losses are against a rival, Michigan State, and uh, Indiana and Wisconsin, two top 15 teams. I'm not saying by a long shot that Michigan is good, but their new QB looked pretty good in the last game. Their offense moved the ball consistently against the lesser teams they played, and there's no lesser team this year than Penn State. Penn State's probably the worst team in the conference. I was talking to my brother. It's like, will Penn State, who Penn State or Michigan State, like who's going to be the worst team in the Big Ten? Because it's one of them. Um, now Fryermuth, their best player, is out for the season. Obviously, we know about Journey Brown and Micah Parsons and all those other guys. They're going to be rotating quarterbacks. Um, and... Um, They've quit pretty much on the season. So oh, Tom. I can't, I can't, I know oh, something's going on, Tom. but I can't hear what was that? the lines that an insult. Michigan minus overhead. two all day. Please, please, please give Roberson some playing time at QB. Ryan, oh, take it Tom. away. Tom, I'm sorry. I missed, I missed your whole Xenon's theory. There's a plane overhead is all muffled out. I'm sorry to interrupt Tom, but we need to have a conversation. All right, folks. You won't be the first person to have this conversation. It's unlucky number week 13. It's Thanksgiving. We need to give thanks. And this week we're going to give thanks to the return of the Tarmac Report. Because it wouldn't be college football without some shit coaches. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. I'm happy it's back, but I'm not happy that this is the catalyst. Tom, it's not what you think. So here we're going to do a special edition for you, Tom. A special tarmac report. You've wanted it back. I've held out, but it's time. Can you, um, sorry to interrupt, but uh, for anyone who hasn't listened in a year, can you explain what the tarmac report is? Oh, yeah. So the Tarmac Report is a report that we do in honor of our favorite coach, Mr. Lane Kiffin, who was pulled off the plane and fired on the tarmac and left in in Phoenix, Arizona. So in honor of that, we like to list the five coaches most likely to get left on the tarmac this week. And in honor of this, in honor of a, a new beginning in this country, Tom, to get rid of the weird, crazy conspiracy people, the Xenons, we're going to have a special tarmac. We're not going anywhere. Oh, well, I'll tell you who is going to be going somewhere. That would be Lovey Smith. 
he's about to go to a mall in Champagne to play Santa Claus. <laughs> they got a month till Christmas. He can wear a mask over the beard. It's perfect. Love you. Get your resume ready. Start eating heavy, heavy on Thanksgiving. Get ready to play Santa. See, Lovey wears the gator scarf, so it actually covers his entire beard. He's going to have to get a smaller mask to play Santa. Well, that's part of his problem. See, he needs to embrace the must champ school of facial accessory equals good coach. So the giant beard, he could win some games. Covering up the beard, it's like Samson cutting his hair. It's bad. It's not good. All right, coming in at number four, we got Kirk Ferentz. I know Iowa is ranked. I know typically we do this with teams that suck. But that program is in total shambles. That guy has to step away. He needs to walk away from all people under the age of like 28 for like three years and like, just like go away. Right. Just go be an Iowa person. (laughs) That's the best I could do. Like join Slipknot. Correct. Yes. Coming in at number three, Tom, this is controversial. We got Tom Arth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not controversial. Tom doesn't know who Tom Arth is. I've heard the name, but I'm blanking. Well, because I am the Mac expert, I can tell you that Tom Arth of Akron in three games this year, they've played three. How many total points have they allowed in three games? I mean, I, I know they lost like 56, nothing their first game or something like that. So I'm going to guess it's gotta be triple digits. 110? Yeah. No. See, you were on the right track, Tom. They've given up 151 points in three games. Shit. Yeah, that's right. 151 points in three games. By the way, they were 0-12 last year. So they are not getting any better. Uh, His resume is garbage. He was like a good coach at James Madison, like seven years ago. And like, that's it. Like the rest of his career is just losing record after losing record. That guy, he's given the Mac a bad reputation and it's unacceptable to me. So Tom Arth, you're out. I mean, you got to do an ex- a Mac to us exchange rate with those points given up. I mean, giving up 151 in the Mac is really only like giving up, you know, 112 in another conference. I don't know. It's like the Canadian dollar. If it was early season, Mac, and there's good weather, they're playing with freaking snow on the sidelines. Like, it's freezing cold, rainy, and windy, and they're still just letting teams just pummel them. It's They're awful. Okay. Must champ. Get on the bus. Speaking of awful, (laughs) coming in at number two, It's a tie at number two. Charlie Strong, Les Miles, 
you guys, you were in charge of high-powered programs. Two of the most prestigious programs in the history of not just college football, but college sports. And now you don't have a goddamn win between the two of you. In a crazy pandemic year, you're in Florida, Charlie. There are no restrictions. You can do whatever you want. Ask Dan Mullen. He's shoving COVID right up people's asses. He loves it. And you can't put together one damn win in that conference? Come on, bro. No. And the last, we love the Mad Hatter. You're one of our all-time favorites. But, like, it's not good, bro. Like, at this point, you're just Tom Cruise making a ninth mission impossible. Like, you're ruining your damn legacy. Like, just be, just be maverick and walk away. Like, you were the coolest dude ever, and you're ruining your legacy. And I, I just want you to leave. Just stop. So I the, love you so too much for this. So the 2011 season was eyes wide shut. Um, I, I find yeah. this kind of, you know, beautiful and symmetrical that two gentlemen from opposite sides of the Gulf coast rivals in their respective States and schools could find common ground in this divided country, common ground and, and they're going over infinity. Yes, they are. We have more in common than we have apart or however that expression goes. Fair. Yes. All right. Number one. Again, this should not be disputed despite their record. I'm sorry to loyal podcast listener and sometimes guest Jesus Melverde. But my God, Tennessee, like just blow this up. That guy is such a dick bag. Like, Enough is enough. He is awful. He's, he's, they're not getting better. They've gotten worse. They have no trust in him whatsoever. Like the body language of a Tennessee sideline is so bad. It was better when they were celebrating with the freaking turnover trash can. They looked more excited for that thing than they do for playing with Jer- for Jeremy Pruitt. Like, I'm sorry, like Tennessee, he's not Kirby Smart. Like, he's not Dan Mullen. He's Will Muschamp. Like, you picked the wrong save and assistant. Just start over. You're getting rid of Guantanamo. Get rid of the coach. Let a new coach come in with his own quarterback. Let him figure this shit out. Tennessee deserves better. The SEC East deserves better. Jesus Malverde definitely deserves better. And Rocky Top is such a cool song. That deserves a better product. Not some shitbag, hey, let's play Rocky Top because we got three field goals in one game. Like, score a goddamn touchdown, you fucking idiots. All right. That's the tarmac, Thanksgiving edition. It's back. It may be back for good. It may be a one-time thing. But I just need to tell you that Jim Harbaugh, you better win this weekend, you prick, because you're going to be on this list too. Kevin Sumlin, you're just lucky that no one cares. 
And Dino Babers, we like you. We're not putting you on this list until next week. <laughs> you get a reprieve for Thanksgiving. And Derek Mason, no one cares about you or Vanderbilt, but you deserve mention too. Thank you for that. I mean, I'll pause for a few seconds and just bask in the glory of the tarmac's return. I have, uh, I saw one of the funniest things that really made me laugh was, um, after Tennessee's, I think it was two weeks ago after Tennessee's really shitty performance and, um, Rutgers won a game. Somebody just writes like on the Tennessee, I think, uh, official Twitter feed. They just write, Hey, you should hire Greg Schiano. <laughs> That's when you know you've hit rock bottom as a program again. <laughs> I'd also like to lo- lodge a formal complaint. I I understand why you did it, but I still think Clay Helton should always be on the tarmac, regardless of record. I, I just you know, Tom, we like to mix it up here. We we like to we like to spread the love and. Uh, just be happy that I didn't do my original tarmac, which was all big 10 coaches. I mean, it would be justified. This year doesn't count. I thought you'd hang up on me. If I put James Franklin on the tarmac, he was going to be three. You're about to be. I I mean, you would not be the first person to suggest James Franklin's firing. (laughs) The funny thing, you know, if we want to do another Penn state fan check in the most common sentiment I've uh, heard from Penn state fans is like, Franklin definitely deserves to be fired. I mean, I don't think he should be. I don't think he should be, but he definitely deserves to be. So here's the thing. There's some undertones. There's there's yeah. a reason. Let me let me make a quick amendment here. Or not amendment. What's this? Addendum? Addendum. Right. There's a reason, a very specific personal reason that Jim Harbaugh stayed off the tarmac this week. And that's because I don't want him to get fired. I want him to stay at Michigan and keep being awful because the other place he's going to go, have you guys seen this rumor where Harbaugh is going to go if he gets bounced from Michigan? Is it Jets or Dolphins? It's the Jets. And I don't want Harbaugh – look, I don't want Trevor Lawrence to be in the same division as the Bills. I don't. I don't want that. No, never. Even on the Jets, he's too dangerous. But – that being said, I love Trevor Lawrence, and I don't want his career to be awful like Sam Darnold's. And if Jim Harbaugh's his coach, it's guaranteed that Trevor Lawrence is going to have an awful career. Maybe that just gets him out of the division real quick, but more than likely that means Harbaugh's there for like three years, and then he leaves, and Lawrence goes on fire when he gets a new Cohen Dabo comes in with his – 10 year, hundred million dollar green contract. I mean, if I, I, I don't know if he's the type of person who do this, but if I'm Trev and the jets have that first pick, I got to pull at Eli and just say, no, I'm not going to the jets. I mean, especially not when they hire just, it doesn't matter who they hire. They're just perennial losers. And when you look at what happened to our man, Joe Burrows this week, like your career and your, your entire like savings and, you know, financial prospects are at risk. If you go to the jets, that shitty team. So I I think quarterbacks have to really look at what happened to Joey B and like really take note and maybe be more assertive. I'm not saying he should try to like direct himself to one specific team, but 
I would definitely think about directing myself away from three or four teams in the NFL. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I tell my agent to call Arthur Blank at the Home Depot corporate office and say, listen, you rich son of a bitch. You got to a Super Bowl. You choked like dogs. Your quarterback has been shell-shocked and useless since then. And despite that, you built a $3 billion stadium that you need to pay for. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to make this happen. And I'm going to stay in the South. And I'm going to be your good Christian boy for many, many years. He's from Georgia. Trev's from from Georgia, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, that would that if, Atlanta's if the perfect the perfect should, spot. Should give them, yeah. The Falcons should mortgage like all the picks. Next yeah. five years. Like here's the deal. Like if I'm the if I'm the Jets, like you're gonna suck anyways. Like, like here, we'll give you Matt Ryan and our first round pick, which will be like eight overall next year's next first year's, and yeah. second. You can, and and you can have fucking Calvin Ridley. I don't give a shit. Take whoever else you want. Just give us Trev. Just show. Give him the roster and just be like, circle what you want. Do you give him like yeah, the, the Herschel like, Walker you deal? Take, Seriously. You can have Matt Ryan and Julio. We'll take the cap relief, and we're just going to build around Trev and Ridley. Here's yeah, fun. and just and just get an ETN. offensive line. Go out in free agency. Get an offensive line, and you'll probably suck for a year or two. But you know, you'll keep him protected and keep him from getting Trevor injured. Will kill everybody on turf. And him, he belongs in Atlanta, you know, one of the biggest cities in the country, one of the fastest growing, the capital of the South. Uh, it's the perfect fit. He's already, he's already come out as like a, a social justice spokesman. He did some really good things with team building and Clemson in the South. Like it's the perfect place for him to go is Georgia. Like he needs to go there. And Arthur Blank if you're listening to take the points this week, one time, just I'm sure do, do the right thing. Like you have so much money, like just make it happen. Give the jets anything they want and get Trevor Lawrence in the NFC. And if that happens, by the way, we are going to Atlanta next year or whenever it's you know safe to do it. First year it's safe. We're going for an sec championship game slash Trevor Lawrence game back to back. All right. So good. That division too, like with breeze retiring, Brady retiring, like they need a new golden boy in that division. And that's the perfect. He is the definition of a Southern golden boy. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a different kind of player, but fields also, you know, with his Georgia connection, like, Get him down there too. Like one of those two should end up at Atlanta. Agreed. All right. What else? Yeah. We what else we got? All right. Iron Bowl, baby. Auburn getting twenty five at Alabama. Total sixty two and a half. Auburn plays Alabama well. They beat them a few times the last couple of years. They got Bo Nix back, second year as a quarterback. But Alabama just seems to score a billion points. This could be a Shang Tsung event. Um, this could be the last Malasan Alabama game. That being said, I'm just not comfortable laying the 25. I can't do it. I just have this goofy feeling that Auburn's going to be somewhat in this game. In a you know, they might be down 18 or something for a while. So I just don't like laying 25. That's a ton. 
Um, not sure on the total. I'm going to look for some props um, throughout the week, but as of right now, this is rare for me. The Iron Bulls will stay away. That line's so, so sharp and so high. I mean, I think it should be, honestly, like 18, but they made it 25 because it's Alabama. It sucks. No, you're exactly right, Dan. The number is the number I was thinking was 17. And, and here's the reason. It's going to be 17, and it's going to come down to, is Auburn going to get the back door to make it 10? Or is Alabama going to get the pick six on Bo Nix <laughs> and make it 25? Like <laughs> this game is going to be exactly 17 or 18 points with like 10 minutes left. And then it's going to go one way or the other. So this is, that's exactly why it's a stay away. But no, you're right, Dan, that number is, should exactly be like 17 and a half right for this, like perfect number for this. 25 is so much. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you guys said. I won't be betting this one. I just wanted to say that um, I'm really mad at Auburn for being bad and, uh, disinteresting or uninteresting this year because I went until last week without realizing that they had a guy named smoke Monday, which is the coolest name in all of college football. Great name. Took a pick six for me to realize. When was the last time Malzahn had an exciting offense? I mean, I think, I think his time, his time is up, but he's, you know, he's ranked high enough. Like on paper, it doesn't really, makes sense to fire him, but we've seen this before where you kind of know where it's going. It's like, um, it's almost like Mark Rick, like a lower level Mark Rick situation where it's hard to imagine Auburn being back in like the top five or even the top 10 in the next several years with him as coach. So, you know, it might be a Rick situation where you have to fire a, a decent coach in order to make that jump back into the elite level. So Fair. Something to think about. I'm not going to put him on the tarmac this week. All right, Tom. Uh, moving on. Same time on Saturday. Here's one that's going to fly a little bit under the radar. Colorado at USC. USC laying only 12 at home. Total of 64. USC coming off a very nice win at Utah. Utah is not um, going to have a great year. They just lost too much last year. Anyway, um, USC just coming off a nice win against Utah. They beat Arizona. They're 3-0. They're feeling good. They're coming back home. They're playing lowly Colorado with their new quarterback and new coach. Should be an easy steamroll. But this is a classic USC performance. I smell it. I smell the stink from here. USC has two home games back-to-back. They play Colorado this week, and next week they play Washington State. There is no chance that they cover both of those games. So here's what I'm going to do, America. I'm going to bet two units on Colorado this week, hoping they cover. If they do, great. If they don't, I'm betting four units next week on Washington State. And and I'm coming out a winner on this. So um, betting Colorado plus 12, I don't trust Clay. I don't trust uh, USC in general. And, um, yeah, that's, that's my pick. Colorado team can score, man. 48 uh, week one and then 35 week two. At Stanford. You know, uh, yeah, at Stanford. So they, they can put up some points. So this is going to be an interesting game. I definitely would not lay double digits here. Colorado over hook. Colorado plus 12 over 64. Have some fun with that one. It's a good one. Tom, you're going to be awake for this. It's a, it's a, it's a 3.30 Eastern start on Saturday. Yeah, I'll be awake for that. Okay, good. 
might be a, a Thanksgiving turkey hangover. Yeah, so I don't. I don't know if I'll make it to the end. Foul point. Well, here's one that you will because it's the same time. Well, there's two games. Oh, there we go. Northwestern, Tom. Your Northwestern Wildcats. Your Tinder team for 2020 at the much improved Michigan State squad. Northwestern laying 13 and a half. Total 41 and a half. Tom, take it away. Much improved from what? <laughs> I'm quoting you from two weeks, three weeks ago. I said, as soon as you said Michigan State's much improved, I said, ah, oh, fuck off. And then I said I was going to hold you to this the rest of the year. Here's how you know it's bad for Michigan State, aside from just having eyes. I, <laughs> I was reminded last week watching Cincinnati that Luke Fickle turned down the Michigan state job smart, and they went with Colorado's coach Mel Tucker. And you know, it's bad when you're looking and you're like, if only Luke Fickle had accepted our offer, we could be so much better. Like who would have seen that one coming, but Fickle's a great coach and he'll make a great coach at a, I think he's too good for South Carolina, but you know, who knows? Maybe he could play at Auburn. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Oh yeah. Uh, the line's too high. Northwestern plays, um, low scoring defensive games. And even though Michigan state sucks, like Northwestern just doesn't win by that many points, but don't bet Michigan state, stay away. We have the Michigan state team total Tom of 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Yeah. That's, that's an under. Um, I also think like it's always scary because the over under, I think is 42 and it's going to drop by game time. You might get, we might get a third, uh, over under in the thirties. We might hit the, uh, infamous 39 and a half. That's the magic number, the magic 39 and a half, which is so preposterous in college football. I think even though it seems scary, I think under 42 and a half, if you take it right now is a pretty good bet. Yeah, I agree. I think that's coming in. All right, Tom, um, real quick, just because they normally play them tough, TCZ's Pitt Panthers on the road at Clemson, Pitt getting 24, total of 55, Pitt coming off a thrashing of Virginia Tech. Justin Fuentes' seat's probably pretty hot these days. Clemson's actually going to play football. Um, they've had some COVID, some Trevor missing, a Notre Dame loss, a Florida State cancellation, a war of words with Norvell. Kind of feels like Clemson's a bit angry. I would not take the 24 with Pitt if I was a gambling man, which I am. This is going to be a hook if you can get it. Clemson minus 24 over 55. I mean, that over 55 is just um, unfair. Like they'll, I, I mean, you have to check the weather. Who knows? but they're going to get that on their own. Clemson's going to destroy them. And you talk about my son, like you don't want to destroy a child's innocence too early. So I'm not going to allow him to watch this game because it's going to be real bad. Trev's coming back. They're ranked third, not fourth in the college football playoff, but they still have to win out. And, um, you know, they're going to show people that like the last few weeks without Trev was not, the Clemson team you're going to get in the playoffs and they're, they're going to um, make their presence felt. All right. Right. Anything to add to that one? Nope. Sounds good. Egg bowl. 
we got fucked over. This was supposed to be Thanksgiving night, and after Steelers-Ravens gets canceled, we're all going to have to watch Adazio lose to Air Force. There are worse things. Um, but anyway, Mississippi State with Mike Leach, program in shambles, at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. Also, you know, kind of a rocky start, but seems like they have it together a little bit more than Mississippi State. Uh, I'm going to lay the nine and a half myself with Lane this week. I don't know if Mississippi State is really functioning. Well, they did play Georgia close. I totally forgot yeah. about that. They looked good um, in the last game. Yeah, absolutely. They had a defense but, that just seemed to appear out of thin air. That is true. Um, you know what? Scrap my original pick over 67 and a half. We talked about it all offseason. If I don't bet the over and it comes in, I'm going to be pissed at myself. This is Leach. This is Lane. If the under comes in, so be it. But I'm not going down without with, with, with any of my money on any other side. Over 67 and a half. That yeah. is the correct answer. Yeah, you've, you've uh, stumbled onto the correct answer. Is Ask yourself this. Think about how many, roughly how many possessions there will be. Is either team going to oh stop the other team three or more times? Negative. Yeah, no. That's a prop bet I'll look for. Like, will, like how many drives will be scoring drives? Because I think you're, I think you're talking about six or fewer drives between the teams don't result in some kind of score. Very few punts in that game, Tom. All right. There will be very few punts by A&M in this game. LSU travels to Texas A&M, A&M minus 14 and a half, total of 64. Bo Pelini, still employed. Uh, he better really enjoy this Thanksgiving because next year he's going to be having to, um, you know, cut his meal short when he's on Indeed looking for his next job. Um, lay the 14 and a half with A&M. LSU is terrible. They just squeaked by against Arkansas. A&M, Woodshed, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, this is when they used to play the Longhorns. Uh, so that game got canceled. Nice to see A&M and LSU playing a nice, close rivalry-ish game here on Thanksgiving. So A&M, laying the 14 and a half with Jimbo. I can't believe it. Oh, I can believe it. Do you guys remember what the score was last year in the LSU A&M game? No. 50 to 7. LSU put it on Jimbo. Orgeron ran up the score. He left Burrow in. They put up a 50 spot on purpose. This is the one chance Jimbo's going to have. LSU will be LSU. They'll figure their shit out. They'll get back to being LSU once they get rid of Polini. So this is the one chance for Jimbo to to just smack them down and get revenge after last year. So this is is a no-brainer. This is my lock of the week, A&M. As much as I hate Jimbo and A&M, this is my lock of the week. Do you guys think that A&M is good? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the sense that they're a little inflated, ranked number five, but it is possible that they're really good and that Alabama's just at, at a different level from all these teams. I haven't watched them enough, to be honest with you. Um, I think they're like probably about like the eighth best team in the country, not fifth, uh, but... You know, they have beaten Florida. Florida's really, really good. So, I don't know. Um, if yeah, they I mean, beat I mean, their resumes, this week, maybe. Their resume's good. Their only loss is a big loss, but against Alabama. 
And I think they're one of the more interesting teams because assuming Alabama wins out and goes to the SEC championship game, A&M could finish the season nine and one or however many games they play, you know, one loss and they could finish ranked fourth or fifth. Um, and are they a playoff team in that case? You know, not, not even going to a conference championship game. You know, how do you rate them against like an undefeated Cincinnati, for example? Well, they have the best win, so they'll get in over Cincinnati for sure. Yeah. It would, it would come down to like one loss Notre Dame and one loss A&M. Uh, you know, and Notre Dame's like, well, we went one and one against Clemson and you guys went one and one against like Florida Bama. Yeah. You know, what, what, that's probably the more realistic discussion is those is probably, you know, if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, the four or five the A&M and, and them. That'll be interesting. I think there's a very realistic possibility of that happening. So, so who see. do they take? The Texas school or Notre Dame? Or the most That's popular gonna- program in the country. By the way, we haven't talked about it, but like there's no um, you know, record restrictions for um the bowl games. So pretty much anyone can go to a bowl. So we could have, right. you know, assuming Penn state's freshmen improve and they get the extra practice time and like they find a quarterback who can play. There's a very good possibility. And Owen eight Penn state team yeah. could go and win a bowl game against like, you know, Eastern Michigan. That might happen. Central Michigan against Penn state at the, the little Caesars uh, pizza Ford field, Ford field, Ford field, little Caesars bowl, get it back, run it back. Yeah, I mean, if it happens, it's a hundred percent going to be in Detroit at the Little Caesars Bowl. We know that, but I think, I mean, Penn State's, you know, by some measures, the second most, uh, biggest fan base and most popular team in the country. So, if they're willing to accept a bowl bid, they're probably going to get an offer somewhere. Hey, I like it, and it's probably not going to be against anyone good because we know that's a fraud. So it's probably going to be a, a mid-level MAC team. So this might be the prediction of the year. 0-8 Penn State wins a bowl. Against, like, LSU. I mean, no, no. Um, it's going to be like Kent State, the team they yeah. should have played in week one. All right, Tom, we're going to Saturday night. Georgia at South Carolina. South Carolina is freed of the hick. They're, they're getting 21 and a half in return. Total of 49. I really only mention this game because I like the over in this game. South Carolina seems to be playing some high-scoring games. They, they have no sort of real defense. They don't have a coach anymore. It'll be more free-flowing. JT Daniels can actually throw a football for Georgia. If they have a chance to score 40 or 50 points on their own, they'll do it. I think we get the 50 points uh, in some combination. So I like the over this week in that game. JT looked pretty good in his first, like, real game or, uh, or you know, his first couple performances. Somebody should Shock. have suggested that he started earlier in the season, Dan. Somebody should have brought that up. Weird. Who would have thought that the that the walk-on just, just really was unable to beat Alabama? Shocker. All right. Moving anyway. on. Last game, Tom. Last game of the night. We're going to go all the way to the end. We're, we're fast-forwarding. We're, 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 we're taking the rest of the night off. We're taking a nap. We're getting up for the game of the week, part two. Nevada at Hawaii. 
Nevada laying seven, total 60 and a half. This line opened to bottom minus two and has skyrocketed up to seven already. Nevada's pretty good. Hawaii, not so much. Hawaii didn't look so great last week against Boise State. Then again, then again Boise always does play uh, Hawaii well. Total only 60 and a half. I'm going to have some fun with the over on this. Nevada can score some points. Their quarterback, Strong, is pretty good. And uh, a late Hawaii game to cap the college football weekend. Thank you very much, college football schedulers. This is the week you need that 11 o'clock game. It's a lot of bets. You could be losing a lot of money, so you might need to be able to hit a parlay late on Saturday to get it back. So thank you for the late-night Hawaii start very much. Ryan? Yeah, Nevada's pretty good. So, um, you know, as much as I like Hawaii and as, as hard as, as it is to play out there, um, you know, especially Thanksgiving weekend, these Nevada players away from their families. But, you know, it's not like they were going to be able to go home and uh, do Thanksgiving anyway so with the, the pandemic. So probably won't be as big as a factor as it normally would be uh, to play a holiday weekend in Hawaii. So I think Nevada's going to take care of business here. I'm just quickly scanning through the games to see, um, you know, what else I, what else had caught my eye. Um, you know, central Michigan, you talked about them earlier. They're minus seven at Eastern Michigan. That's worth considering. Um, you know, they, as you mentioned, might be the best team in the Mac. Um, what else? There was one other one here. TCU minus 24 against Kansas. TCU sucks. Gary Patterson needs to win by 45 to maybe keep his job. Well, they get served Kansas on a plate after Thanksgiving dinner. So lay the 24. Kansas is historically bad. That's a good one too. And the, the other good one, let's chop some wood fellas. Rutgers getting 12 points at Purdue. Purdue, nothing special. I mean, they'll probably win the game, but 12, come on, Chop chop some wood with me. I don't know. I can't. I can't do that. A road game after that heartbreaking home overtime loss where they gave it away twice. Like that's a tough spot there. That's, the Rutgers, this is though, such every, a letdown. This so. is such a letdown spot. Rutgers don't have letdown games. They're Rutgers. We'll find out this Saturday. I was just thinking. You know, let's close it out the way we opened it, talking about Big Ten classics. There must, I must have seen 500 Big Ten Classic games on the Big Ten Network in my life. Half of them are all Ohio State, of course. There's a ton of Michigan. There's a ton of Penn State, Wisconsin. I've only seen one Rutgers Big Ten Classic ever. And it was like, I think it was a win over Nebraska in like 2013 or something. Well. In a season so where they probably the won four thing. games. Uh during the Rutgers golden era, you can't really show those on classic considering who the best player on Rutgers is. Oh yeah. You know, you just can't listen to the the announcers gush about how great Ray Rice is and he's a good kid and he's a great person. (laughs) You just can't listen to that on a, on a big 10 classics. That's a, it's a bad look. Touche. Not very classic. You're never going to see OJ Bill's highlights. On, uh, on the, <laughs> the NFL classics either. Very good point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. 
But I, I was so hopeful that that Michigan game would be the second Rutgers classic. And it was really heartbreaking to see them lose that. So maybe they can beat out Purdue and maybe that'll make it on, you know, they'll give them a gift and put that on. Anyway, that's, that's all I've got. Um, anything you guys want to say more football stuff, happy Thanksgiving message, you know, however you want to close it out. Yeah. Here's how I want to close it out. We have less than 30 days till the NBA season restarts. Let's go gamblers. Get your money up, make your college football winnings and then start rolling it over to the NBA. Yeah. I have a question for you as the non NBA fan. I don't really follow the NBA much. I follow a little bit of that and a little bit of college basketball just to know the names enough to know the names of some guys. So when I saw this week, Gordon Hayward getting 120 million and Fred Van Vliet of Wichita state, correct. Getting like 85 million. Am I losing my mind or am I, do I not pay attention or is that, are both of those insane? No, you don't pay attention. Hayward is insane. Absolutely. Hayward is insane. He's had way too many injuries, like severe injuries in the last couple of years to get that kind of long-term deal. Van Vliet, absolutely reasonable. $85 million is like a totally reasonable contract for him. He's really good. Like he's like just below like all-star level point guard. Um, so I, I don't think that's bad at all. I like Van Vliet a lot. I would prefer that the Suns signed him for 85 million over four years rather than Chris Paul, 85 million over two years. So, okay. I I guess, I guess it was more of a comment on just like the, the numbers themselves seem so astronomical. Contracts are extremely high. It's crazy. I mean, players make four. I mean, James Harden just turned down 50 million a year from the Rockets. 50 turned it down. Turn it down. Because he wants to go play with Kyrie and KD on the Nets in Brooklyn. So he'll have to take a modest, like, $42 million a year? Correct. He'll have to go down to about 43 to make it work. It's crazy, man. It's, it's a lot really of money. crazy. So much money in NBA. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football. It's a great week if all these games actually happen. And... Um, I know it's a weird year, but you know, whatever people are doing and celebrating, uh, hope you all have fun and, uh, we'll be back next week for week 37 of this season. <laughs> that That's right. Ends. Ha- halfway home. Yeah, we are. We hit the, uh, <laughs> the mid season report next week. This would be like the end. Going. This would be like the second to last episode of take the points in any year. Now we're like, ah, <laughs> just warming up week 14. Right. Mid season report. Yeah. Can't wait to look into who's going to turn it on in the second half in the ACC. Whoever actually like makes it, this is like a survivor situation. Whoever makes it to the end wins some sort of prize. Like three of the three hosts, two of us are not making it to the last game. Yeah. It's like the Royal rumble, but instead of getting thrown over the rope, it's who got COVID. (laughs) Yeah. It's just going to be the last episode on January 10th. It's going to be Ryan. Like, uh, let's see uh, what's in the news today. Uh, Clay Helton, he's still bad, huh? Tom's in the hospital, and well, we know what happened to Dan. <laughs> That's gonna be. <laughs> All 
All if right. I am in the hospital with COVID, I'm still doing the podcast. I don't care. The people are going to have to fucking deal with it. I'm going to just <laughs> dial in on Zoom. Oh my God. <laughs> Mark that down. I mean, listen, I don't know if I can be a party to that, but like you can record some voice memos and send them over and I'll loop them in. No way. I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I'm going to record wind, rain, shine, or COVID. There is no, no, no stopping. Take the points. We don't stop. And that's why we call, that's why we call you Dan, the mailman, Partridge. Right. Vegas outsider, outsider to everything. All right. So look forward to that, everyone. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) Take care. Good night, America. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll be sure to text you the morning of Thanksgiving saying, Happy Thanksgiving. Don't forget to bet Air Force against Steve Adazio before you go to your relatives or cook a turkey or whatever you're doing today. Love, Dan. That's what I was going to say to everybody in the group text. (laughs) To everyone. (laughs) To everyone I know. They're going to say, Happy Thanksgiving. Like I'm gonna get calls from or like relative like like my aunt and uncle are gonna be like Happy Thanksgiving, Dan. I'm gonna say, Yep, Happy Thanksgiving. Did you bet Air Force? Question mark. <laughs>